Good morning. It is uh, such a blessing to be in this place, in this room, among friends. I want to welcome everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Ladies, thank you so much for inviting that good spirit to be here with us. We worship a God of miracles. The only, the one true God, the creator of all things, Every breath that we breathe, every beat of our heart, every note that is sung, and every note that is heard, these are all miracles that we have a privilege to participate in, in worshiping that God. He desires that we come unto Him with full purpose of heart, that we open that door of our heart and allow Him in to speak to us. And we look forward to hearing that message that He has placed upon our brother Joe's heart. So we ask for your continued prayers for him. For a call to worship, I've selected a few verses beginning in the 56th Psalm into the 57th, beginning with uh, verse 11. In God have I put my trust... I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not wilt thou wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God, Most High, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up selah god shall send forth his mercy and his truth let's turn to hymn number 377 and we will stand for this hymn and afterwards the invocation will be brought by our brother elder eric baker 377 
Our Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege to be able to come that we might worship here, that we might uh, have fellowship with one another, that we might feel that uh, good spirit come and uh, rest uh, upon each one, that they uh, would receive um, your loving kindness and your love and uh, your care and concern. We pray, Father, that uh, that spirit might be in abundance here this morning. We pray that it would rest upon our speaker, Brother Joe, that you'd uh, enlighten his mind and his thoughts and give him uh, those things to speak that all would would be benefited here this morning. We uh, love you, uh, Heavenly Father, and we thank you for the uh, abundance of your mercy and joy and all that you have given us. And we pray these things through uh, that uh, special gift, even that of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. I'm going to be reading out of Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. As we think of offering our tithes, I would like to uh, ask you, as uh, some will reach forth your hands to uh, place their monies into the uh, plate, and others will not, I would like to ask if you would think about what you're doing. You're basically telling the Lord thank you for the blessings that he's giving you. So if you do not place your hand forward, I would ask maybe you just offer a quiet prayer to the Lord, thanking him for what you have. And just think about it as a thankfulness of what he's blessed you with is what you're giving today. Would you bow with me? Our dear God in heaven, Lord, I'd come to you now at this time as uh, we have this time set aside to uh, lay forth those uh, blessings that you have given us to give back a portion of it to you. Lord, I would thank you for all that uh, was joined here today that uh, we would uh, always consider that everything that we have is from you and you can give and take as you see fit, Lord, that we would understand that you have provided everybody with what they need and with an abundance many times, Lord. And let us not forget those times that we have to be able to give that we would do it, that there would be a time when maybe we are the ones in need. And Lord, we just thank you once again for everything as you give it all. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our scripture reading this morning comes out of the first book of Nephi, the third chapter, beginning at verse 220. And I would encourage you, if you have your scriptures with you, to open up to that chapter, or if you have a set of scriptures there in the pews next to you, many of the rows have those there, and turn to 1 Nephi chapter 3. I'm going to begin at verse 220, and before I begin, I do want to share with you that there is a word that is used repeatedly in these scriptures that often we will not even allow to be spoken in our home, and there's an importance as to why it is conveyed here in these scriptures, and I would encourage the parents, if you have young children to explain to them this afternoon when you have an opportunity to share with them the meaning behind that word, which means a wicked woman. And he said unto me, Behold, there are save two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God, belongeth to that great church, which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of all the earth. And it came to pass, I looked and beheld the whore of all the earth, and she sat upon many waters. And whenever many waters is used in prophecy or in revelation, it has to do with many peoples. And she sat upon many waters. And she had dominion over all the earth among all nations and kindreds and tongues and people. And it came to pass that I beheld the church, the Lamb of God, and its members were, numbers were few because of the wickedness and the abomination of the whore who sat upon the many waters. Nevertheless, I beheld that the church, the Lamb, who were the saints of God, were also upon all the face of the earth. And their dominion upon the face of the earth were small because of the wickedness of the great whore whom I saw. And it came to pass that I beheld that the great mother of abominations did gather together in multitude upon the face of all the earth among all the nations of the Gentiles to fight against the Lamb of God. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And it came to pass that I beheld the wrath of God was poured out upon the great and abominable church, insomuch that there were wars and rumors of wars among all the nations and kindreds of the earth. And as there began to be wars and rumors of wars among all the nations which belonged to the mother of abominations, the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the wrath of God is upon the mother of harlots. And behold, thou seest all these things. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose foundation is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he has made to his people who are of the house of Israel.
Noted him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is lifting up the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. concerned with my opening scripture for a couple of reasons. The, the words are somewhat strong, and I suppose if you are on the camp of the abominable church, they are words that would be piercing to you. I don't suspect anyone in this room falls into that particular category, but I was concerned about that, and I also wondered of the ministry of music following such strong words of judgment, and I can't think of a more appropriate anthem than what we just heard. Madison and Liz and Emma, thank you so much for your ministry and for the promptings of the Spirit. Saints, I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I pray that you come today to worship in spirit and in truth. And I pray that your preparations this morning have done, been done so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Book of Mormon uh, talks about how it is that um, you can feel the presence of that Holy Spirit. And Nephi says uh, to his brethren who were in rebellion, he says, uh, He has spoken to you by a still, small voice, but you were past feeling, and you could not feel his words. And Nephi spoke those words in condemnation to his brothers because they couldn't sense or feel the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, nor would they let that Spirit be their guide in life. And he used that as a teaching opportunity. And I know and understand that indeed we as mortal men and women can sense and feel the presence of that Holy Spirit. It's a very real thing. 
You know you can't see the air. You can feel it as it expands in your lungs. As you take in every breath, you can feel the breeze on your face. It's very real, but you can't see it, can you? And the Spirit, in similar fashion, is that way. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken of the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, Verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. Taking that Holy Spirit for our guide, how important that is, saints, to listen to the still, small voice as it speaks to us and guides our path, and to pray that the Lord in His mighty wisdom might share with each and every one of us the inspiration of that good Spirit, that we might know the way in which we should go. We live in a strange day. We call them the last days. If you read in the book of uh, Timothy, it's pretty descriptive how it uh, describes the power of Satan and the influence that he has on the children of men. And you know, the Lord's words don't return unto him void. These words in Timothy were, were revelatory, revealing to us in the last days what it would be like and the wickedness that would be upon the face of this earth. We see it. We see it just like the, uh, the leaves on the trees. And soon we'll see, and you felt the cool air this morning, autumn is nigh at hand. You'll see the leaves changing color, and soon they'll fall. We know, saints, what season we are in. We remember uh, today and somewhat in somberness, this anniversary of September the 11th. We know what that means to our country. And blessed heart, his heart, one of our young brothers shared with us this morning of how the flag needed to be at half staff. And I didn't look to see, but I believe they've put that American flag at half staff in recognition for what happened here in remembrance of that that day. It's been over 20, 21 years ago. I remember right where I was when that happened. I bet you do too. Times have sure changed. Brenda and I talk about that all the time, the change that we've seen in just in our lifetime. And I think about her uh, grandmother, her and Mike's grandmother. She lived to be 104 years old, and she saw three different centuries I think she was born in 1898, is that right? 97, 1897, and lived through three different centuries. Think about that. She saw the invention of the airplane, and she saw man going then to the moon within her generation. Isn't that something, what we see in our lifetime? We've seen a lot just in our own. All the advancements that are out there, I can carry in my pocket a computer that is stronger than the computer that was on that rocket that went to the moon. And I carry it in my pocket. I don't have it in there today, by the way. I left it in the car. I don't know that these advancements, they say they've improved our life, but the question is, have they? Have they really? Are we closer to our Heavenly Father? Why are we here on this earth anyway? work out our probation before him? Have these advancements in technology helped us to work out our probation and get closer to our Heavenly Father? Or is it taking us farther away? 
It's not what I planned on preaching about today, but think about that. It's something that's concerning to me. I don't want to talk about all these uh, adversarial things in our uh, society and and all that, but I do wonder why it was that uh, I w- I've been privileged, quote-unquote, privileged to live in this day and age. I wonder that quite often. You know, all the prophets of old desired to see the day in which we live. Sometimes I think I was just slow to line up, and the Lord told me, well, you're just going to have to wait until the end. But I think really it's probably more of a privilege, to be honest with you, to live and to see what we see. It's so hard, though. But the Lord told us we would see these hard things. And he told us the reason behind it. It's because of Satan and the corruption that he's sown throughout all of our uh, nations of the world. He truly sits on these many waters. And he's adulterated all of those uh, nations of the world. But as I read my opening scripture, the church is there too, although their numbers are few. Our pews are not full. I spoke last year. You know, this is traditionally this first full Sunday in September when the new pastor that either takes office or is returning to office speaks to the congregation, just a tradition of ours. And so it was at this exact time last year that I stood before you and I shared with you the uh, the story of Queen Esther. And I felt uh, the impress to share that with you so that you would know that you too are in that same situation that Esther was in and ask that question, how do you know that you haven't been placed in the kingdom for such a time as this? And I still believe that that's true. We're here for a reason, saints. Have you found the reason that you're here? I want to continue and share with you another Old Testament story today. And it's our theme scripture for the week. It comes out of the book of Samuel. And my sister Eleanor could probably uh, share this with you without even having to rehearse the scripture. She's taught it so many times to vacation church schools and to junior churches. It's the story of David and Goliath. Saints, would you not agree that we face some giants in our day? Wouldn't you agree the importance of perhaps learning the lesson of David and Goliath? You know, David was a a poor shepherd boy, came from a big family. He... uh, knew that the Philistines were making war with his people, the nation of Israel. And so he, uh, being a young man, left the fighting to his brothers. And his three older brothers, he was from a family of eight, but his three older brothers were in the army. Jesse, his father, had eight sons. And he'd ask uh, David to go and to uh, take some food to his brothers. And David lived in, in and about Bethlehem. And the Philistines had made war against Israel, and they were uh, in a place called Shukoth, which is in Judah, the land of Judah. You remember the promised land was divided amongst the tribes of Israel, and Judah had their inheritance. And it was an area that was just west of Bethlehem. And uh, each of the camps, the Philistines and then the armies of Saul, the nation of Israel, were encamped, and they were each on a hillside, and between them was the Valley of Elah, which, uh, if you look, the meaning of that word means oak. I don't know if that's because of the type of tree that was there or exactly the reason it was named that, but that's, uh, that's where they met in battle. And there was a champion among the Philistines that would come out uh, morning and night and would taunt them. And this uh, champion's name was Goliath. And he stood 
and I did the math for you, about nine and a half feet tall by my ciphering. He wore a helmet of brass, and he had on a, a coat of chain mail that weighed about 80 pounds. He was a big man. He carried a staff with a spear tip on the end of it, and it was the size of a weaver's beam. We don't have any weaver's beams around too often anymore, but it's pretty big. And Goliath stood and he cried to the armies of Israel and challenged them to send a man to fight with him. And he said, if he wins, we'll be your servant. But if I win, you'll be our servant. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like too bad of an idea to me. Let the uh, let a couple of champions go and fight the war and save the whole armies. And that's what they did. David, as he took uh, food to his brothers, heard Goliath and his tauntings. And he wanted to know, what does this mean? Why is this man taunting the nation of Israel and the armies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that nation of Israel? And David was talking to his brothers about this and Others overheard and they carried this message to the ear of Saul. And Saul called for David. And David had asked the men in the army, what shall be done to take the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And in the first book of Samuel, the 17th chapter, If you'd like to turn there, I'm going to finish by reading the story directly. Beginning at verse uh, 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. And the servant, both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So Saul gave David permission to go and to fight this giant Goliath. And Saul armed David. He wanted him to be prepared, so he armed him with his armor and put a helmet of brass on his head and a a coat of mail. And David girded his sword, sword about his armor, and he assuaged not, for he had not proved it. See, David wasn't a man of war. He hadn't worked or fought with these things on, these heavy um, pieces of armor. And David said unto Saul, I can't go with these for I have not proven them. And David took them off. He put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand. Remember, he was a shepherd. And he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near then unto the Philistines. And the Philistines came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistines looked about, they saw David, and he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest with staves? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me. And I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. What powerful words. What faith, what courage this young boy showed. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, 
And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into their hands. And it came to pass that when the Philistine arose, he came and he drew nigh to meet David. And David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it from his sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. What a great story of courage and faith. David truly faced a giant. And I notice that when he ran to meet Goliath, it's not that he was just running to meet Goliath, but the armies of the Philistines were right behind. And here he was, but one man, and really just a boy. You know, I believe that, uh, and I'll share if I have time why I think this, that David was influenced by the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. This Holy Ghost that is part of the Godhead that we worship. Think about this. Uh, Priesthood, whenever you have been wrought upon by that Holy Spirit, Can you explain the feeling and the power that comes with that where you can know of a surety what it is that you must stand and do? David knew by the power of that spirit this is what he must do to stand against this Goliath. I want to share with you a few things that came to me as I made my preparation, as I studied these passages of Scripture. It's interesting, first of all, to think about Goliath and how it is that he taunted the nation of Israel for 40 days, it said. What else do we know scripturally happened in 40 days? I think about uh, Noah, and he entered the ark. And how long did it rain? Forty days and forty nights. I think about Moses when he went up into Mount Sinai and he wrote down the law and he received the tables from the Lord. How long was he up there? Forty days. When Christ was called by the Spirit to the wilderness before he began his ministry, really began his ministry here on this earth, How long was he in the wilderness commuting with God? Forty days. You see, there's something to this pattern that's been established here. There's something to this pattern where we can see the importance of 40 days of preparation or of cleansing before deliverance can come. Isn't that interesting? Goliath taunted Israel for 40 days so that a champion could be prepared to come and to meet him. Christ was prepared for 40 days to uh, move out in his earthly ministry. It just I just find it uh, remarkable how it is the Lord has placed these patterns in our scriptures that we might uh, more fully see and understand and seek him out. This Goliath was uh, uncircumcised, meaning that he'd not made a covenant with the God of Israel. He didn't know 
the God of Israel. And he probably thought that he was stronger than anything on this earth or anything in heaven. And I mean, he was nine and a half feet tall, so he probably was justified in thinking that. There's very few that could come up against such a giant of a man. But it wasn't a man that Goliath faced that day. It was this power of the Holy Ghost that was manifest in the life of this shepherd boy. David knew that he had to stand in the name of the living God. And I believe that he was instructed to do so. To stand in the strength of the God of his fathers, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Do you remember what, uh, what Moses told the children, the Hebrew, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, of who he came to represent? He was told that uh, he was sent by I am. I am sent Moses as a deliverer to those captive children of Israel. David cried uh, that Goliath was uh, was taunting the army of the living God. And God told Moses to go to the children of Israel, and he didn't tell Moses to tell them that I was or that I will be. He told him to go and tell them that I am. He is saints the living God. He is alive yesterday, today, and forever. He calls us into service just like He called David. Perhaps your service is different than His. And He'll give you the tools and the gifts and the talents to accomplish the things that He's called you to do. Won't you rise up, armies of Israel, and face the giants that are before us. Stand in the strength of the God of Israel. This is our calling. Priesthood. Be about your father's business. Stand up as you're directed by his spirit. Be faithful. Be strong, be courageous, be righteous. This is what He's called us to be, saints. Sometimes He uses strong words to tell us that, to remind us. Nephi used strong words with his brethren, and they got angry with him. I'm using strong words today, you might be angry with me, and that's okay. But I want you to listen. Listen to what he's telling you. We don't have much time. These are the last days. The signs are all about you. The leaves have changed color. The next event is what I read to you in my opening scripture. Where that... uh, mother of abomination that has influenced all the nations of the earth will be brought into judgment. And I pray that we are not part of that, nor have parcel or part with her. Our place, saints, is in the church of Jesus Christ. Seek him out. I wonder uh, what it is behind the meaning of the five stones that David picked up from that brook. I guess I'm a numbers guy. I wonder always what those numbers mean. He picked up five stones. He only needed one. 
Does that mean he was without faith? He wanted to make sure he had some backups? I don't think so. And the scripture doesn't tell us with any exactness what those things mean. But there's a lot of examples throughout all the scriptures. You know, one comes to mind about uh, the Apostle Paul. Remember when he was in the boat and was being taken to Rome to be uh, brought before Caesar? And Paul welcomed that opportunity. He was, a, he was a prisoner, but he was getting an audience with Caesar, the ruler of the known world at that point in time. And a great storm came up, and they thought they were going to lose the ship, and they would all sink and they would all perish. And an angel appeared unto Paul and told him not to worry. While the ship might be destroyed, every life I committed into your hands, and they'll all be arrived safely. And... Uh, the, the tempest became so severe and they were measuring the depth of the water as they traveled and it was nighttime and it was dark and they couldn't see. And the water kept getting more and more shallow as they traveled. So they knew they were getting close to land and close to the rocks that would destroy the ship. And so what did they do? They put out four anchors. You know, maybe the Apostle Paul used his one stone and the other four he used as anchors to his soul. What kind of stones would you pick up from that brook? What would draw your eye? Would they be little? Would they be small, bigger, round, square? What would appeal to you? What is in your life that you would use as a stone of protection, as an anchor, if you will, like the Apostle Paul. Is it faith? Is it righteousness? Is it truth? What are the stones that are in your shepherd's bag? Think about those things, saints. Judgment is coming. The Lord of hosts soon cometh upon all nations, yea, upon every one, yea, upon the proud and the lofty, and upon everyone who is lifted up, that he shall be brought low. I think Goliath in this story is a type and shadow, if you will, of these nations of the earth. And while Goliath stood in his, in his pride, nine and a half feet tall, he was brought low. And the pride of this world will be brought low as well, my friends. And I pray that we can survive the day that is before us. And I know we can. And here's why I know it. Last week, we shared together in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And we witnessed before our Heavenly Father something very special. And his promise to you, his people, are found in those prayers. And those prayers over the sacrament, over the bread and the wine, are the only prayers that this church is required to speak with exactness. That there would be no mistaking what this sacrament of the Lord's Supper is about. And so we read these words, and the prayer that is offered on that bread and wine is exact. And he offers uh, this to us, I think, to teach us a lesson. That they may always have his spirit to be with them that they may always have His Spirit to be with them. And the they that is being spoken of here is you and I. The saints, the covenant members of the church of Jesus Christ, that you might have His Spirit to be with you. I mentioned to you earlier that I thought David was uh, being dispatched to go and to meet this giant Goliath under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you why I think that. 
If you read in the chapter before the account of Goliath, so in the 16th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, it speaks of how it is that Samuel came and sought out Jesse and his sons. And then when he saw David, he knew that David was designated to be the next king over Israel. And Samuel took consecrated oil and placed it upon David's head and blessed him. And it says in that scripture, 1 Samuel 16th chapter, the 13th verse, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. David was under the influence of that good spirit. And might I remind you, saints, that it was Jesus Christ that was led into the wilderness in a time of preparation under the direction of the Spirit. You can see all of these types and shadows, if you will. You can see how it is that the Lord wrote a pattern in his record for us to read and to understand and to consider. And I pray this day as we think about what it is we are doing in our lives that we might be more diligent and give heed to the words that he has spoken to us, the accounts in the scriptures, and that we might endeavor to seek him more diligently. He calls us to perfection. He calls us to be a righteous people. Won't you rise up and join in this great latter-day glory and bring about the purposes of the Almighty God, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same that was without change from beginning to the end. May He bless you and your families. And don't forget to teach your little ones, especially this afternoon, about the Scripture that I read. Promise me that you'll do that. And I pray that the Lord will bless your families and give you the strength. For that was the promise that He said He'd send righteousness upon His saints. And I pray that for you my dear friends and my brothers and sisters. It's good to be yoked up with you in this great work.
Our Father who art in heaven, it's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we come now to the close of this worship. And Father, we thank you for that Holy Spirit that has worked among us this hour, that has inspired and blessed our good brother with this message that we know has come from you. And Father, may that same Spirit, even that inspired David, to stand against Goliath, work among your people in this place, even in this moment. May we heed that call that you have reminded us of this day. May we stand among that small, faithful church in these last days, Father. And may you guide us and direct us and prompt us for those moments that we are called to this kingdom for those works that we are called to perform on your behalf. May we prepare our lives, Father, that we may listen and respond to that spirit and move in its power that your work truly may come forth in great glory in these latter days. We thank you for your calling. We thank you for the promise of your spirit. And we ask your blessing and your peace as we go from this place. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.